How is everybody? What's up, y'all? That just feels right. So uh, I'm excited. We're in the last week of a four-week series, and we're going to revisit this in a different way for about 12 weeks as we we move forward. And Pastor Chris is going to talk about an easy topic next week called what happens to unanswered prayer. So you guys pray for her because there's a lot of people who wrestle with that. Um, I know that I have and still do. And so sometimes we want to talk about issues that people struggle with that sometimes the church doesn't talk about. So she's going to cover that next week. Um, I am, how do I say this? I'm a futuristic person and uh, I think strategically, for some of you guys who don't understand, uh, strategery, does that make sense to you guys? Figured some country people may understand that. So I love thinking about where God wants to lead us and how we need to maybe reorganize or recalibrate in order to do all that God wants to do here. And so we had an opportunity Thursday night to host uh, an event and host an individual. And he just spoke some incredible things over our church. And some of the things were not even spoken to our team yet. So uh, it was pretty incredible the things that he said very specifically So I'm excited about the future of our church. I'm excited about what he wants to do. And for me, uh, part of this sermon is about getting us to, to, to change the way we think. Because in order to do something new, we have to change the way we think to accommodate that, right? A lot of the biggest issues that we have in our life is whenever there's something new that needs to be done, we always try to do the way that it's always been done. And it doesn't work that way. And so God wants to kind of recalibrate us a little bit and help us to think differently. So uh, the last three weeks, it's really six weeks because we've had guest speakers in between. But the last three times we talked about this series, we were talking about the culture of we and how important it is. I love to be part of a team. I love to be part of a group of people who work together. Maybe we fight a little bit. Maybe we argue, but we're still together, right? How many... I'd rather have a little bit of mess that we're working through, but we're together than to have it clean, but we're really separate. All right. So that the, the idea of we is important. So we broke it down in basically into four things. And it was God is first. God is first. And he is the most important person. We listen to him. We obey him. We give our lives on behalf of him. The second thing was the idea of us. It's us. It's talking about biblical community. Talking about getting into each other's lives, sacrificing for one another, suffering for one another, giving selflessly. Because that's what us is really about. This koinonia, this biblical community. The third week was about them. Everywhere around us are people that we're supposed to show the love of Jesus to. And that's both individually and corporately. So individually, there are people at work. There's people in your family. There's people that you come into contact with on a regular basis, that you get to be the picture of Jesus to them. That's scary, right? Because a lot of times I don't look like Jesus when I drive. And I was thinking the perfect t-shirt would be, God loves you and I'm trying. But I'm I'm not there yet. So the idea of them are not only the people that we, we interact with individually. We're called to this community. We're called to this region. And what are we doing for the problems that we see around us? And so we have an incredible testimony. Just uh, Terry was talking about it uh, of a woman who 
she begins to describe some of the, very articulately, by the way, about some of the things that she and her family walk through in their location, where they've had, the, the kids have heard things and seen things that kids aren't supposed to hear and see, where SWAT team or, or police officers swarm the building, and they can't leave their apartment. And she happened to see the trolley and she got on the trolley and came to the church and she got to experience kindness and love. And she said, you guys don't know how desperately we needed that. And there are people, them, all around us that we're called to. And then lastly, of course, is about you. And I am, I, I'm really passionate about you as individuals. I'm passionate about this church and this congregation. You are God's inheritance. And so I, I, I feel like if you'll put yourself last, we as a staff will put you first in order to do the things that God wants to do. So I, this message is interesting because it kind of veered off the way that I thought it would go. But I feel like there's a couple of things that I need to say um, both as a now word, but also kind of for the state of our, our church and um, the culture of our church. So I wanted to say this, we're, we're a regional church, and we've been talking about that for months now. I don't know if you have picked up on that, but we honestly believe that God has positioned good news to be an influence in our community. There's some things that we do really well, that churches and and Christians look to good news for certain things. And we believe that is... Uh, part of the stewardship of what we have, that we go and we minister and use what God, has ha- what, what God has given us outside the walls. But for me, whenever anybody steps in the walls of our church, I want them to know who they are. I want them to know how much they're loved. I want them to know how good God is, even when we're not. I want them to be healed. I want them to be whole. I want them to be part of a family. I want them to understand that, that God's love and who God is is transformational to our lives. And he's patient with us in our mess. Because all of us have mess. And that's the kind of culture that I want this church to be. And how important it is for each individual to play their role in that. Because this is okay. This kind of ministry from the stage. But the real ministry that changes lives happens out here. Right, So you taking your role and your part and utilizing what God has given you uh, is so important to the health and, and the wholeness of the people that walk through the doors. The second thing is we have to begin to look at our community. We need to begin looking at our neighborhoods. We need to begin looking at our city to figure out what God wants to do. Because sometimes I feel like we've really kind of limited God to this space, God is unlimited, unmatched, right? He's limitless. There's nothing he can't do. Wow, that was a big piece of spit that just flew there. <laughs> and, and so my passion makes me spit. So uh, I, 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 want, I want to begin taking this limitless God, changing the way we think, and begin asking God what he wants to do outside the walls. And he's been speaking... This for a long time. And I just feel like we've outsourced the responsibility of the church to other people. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really angry about it. If I'm being honest, that's an internal thing that I wrestle with. Because I know that God wants to bring solutions to problems that we've outsourced to other agencies. 
and it's our responsibility. So I, it, it was interesting. Uh, we hosted this guy, and he, 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 he said some really cool things about our church and, and, and things like that. But after it, this lady came up to Carissa, and she, said, she started talking to her, and she said, do you realize that you're a regional influence? And Carissa, in her heart, said, yeah, we do, because we are. And so what may be a surprise to you is not a surprise to us. And I'm trying to help all of us understand there's a regional responsibility that we have as Good News Church. All right, so I'm putting it on your radar, and you're going to watch what God is going to do because of that. So Ephesians 2.10, Pastor Walt and and our team went out to Kansas City, no, Chicago, and a guy said, if you can't put your dream on a napkin, then you don't really own it yet. And I remember writing on that napkin, and for me, it was a 360-degree sphere. This is 180 degrees of spikes going in every direction representing the church. Remember, were you guys here when we talked about this? Okay, so Victoria actually found at Hobby Lobby a sphere, 360 degrees. Now, let's just see if we can cut the church out of the box because that's what needs to happen in order for us to actually do the work that God is calling us to. I'm going to leave this right here just as a a decent visual. So Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, his poema, that, that word is where we get our word poem, written words to the world. We are the picture of God to people, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice that word should. It doesn't mean that we will, but the opportunity is everywhere. And we need to, uh, as individuals and a church, know that we have a responsibility to steward the problems and the issues outside of our church. Go to 1 Peter 4.10. And this is really the way that I see the church. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold, the multifaceted grace of God. Now, I told you before the way that I see you. God is so limitless and so big that really it's impossible to articulate what he is like with one voice. And so he reveals himself individually through you to the world around you. And because there's no end to that, there's no end to who he is or what he's like, every person has a very definite and unique role in that. So I love uh, 1 Samuel 16, and I loved what uh, God said about David. So he went to the prophet Samuel, and for those of you who don't know, the first king of Israel was a man named Saul, and he just didn't live up to what he was supposed to. And so God said, I need a man who is a man after my heart. And he, said, he told Samuel, he said, Go to the sons of Jesse, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And the goal of this life is to figure out what God has provided for himself in you. Because every person in here, you're called to him, and you're called from him to the world around you. It's really important that we understand. And listen, don't stress out over this. Don't, because immediately everybody goes, What's my, what am I supposed to do? What's my call? What, you know, and, and all of a sudden people get frustrated. Just begin to say, God, I'm open and I'm willing to do what you want. Because every time there's a calling, he'll always reveal the cause, what you're supposed to do.
All right, you guys with me? All right. A couple weeks ago, there was a word um, that the Lord gave to, I think, a Wednesday night. And he said, um, your ability to receive from God is in direct correlation to the way you think he thinks of you. Yeah, let me see if I get it right again. Okay, so uh, your ability to receive from God is in direct correlation to the way you think he thinks of you. So what happens is if you believe that God is always angry from you, what do you do? You hide. If you believe he's always frustrated with you, what do you do? You won't go to him. If you believe he's disappointed in you, you'll, you'll pull back. If you believe he doesn't love you, Right? And these are all the things that God answered in Jesus. It's about identity. And if you don't know who God is, and if you don't know who you are, 80% of your life is in that. And today I want to talk about identity. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about how God sees us and how he loves us and how he's for us. Because the only way you can begin to get free is that you begin to receive from God the truth about him and about you. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for an incredible opportunity to learn and to grow. And God, I pray that revelation through the Holy Spirit would happen this morning. Speak to our hearts, speak to our lives, God. Open our spiritual eyes to your truth. Set people free, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Is anybody else hot? Okay. Thank you, God, for air condition. We just want more of it. So I believe that every person was created uniquely by God. Every person was created uniquely by God. If you haven't read Psalm 139, go read it. God is very intentional about his design. But if God was very intentional about you, then I believe that every person was created with purpose, for purpose, and by purpose. That you are on the earth for a very specific reason. And that can go in a lot of different directions, but know that God chose you and now he wants to work with you to tell his story to people. And how you determine who God is to you will determine how you live. Let me tell you the value of identity. I've been in ministry for a while. I've counseled a lot of people. I've walked with people through a lot of stuff now. And routinely, your understanding of your value will de- determine the decisions that you make. It'll determine the relationships you have. It'll determine what you allow the jobs that you'll take, the risks that you'll take. Sometimes you see patterns of people going from bad relationship to bad relationship to bad relationship. You see people going after job after job after job. You, think, you see people going church to church to church to church. And it's a pattern because usually the problem is not on the outside. The problem's on the inside. So the story of Jacob is really interesting to me, and there's some incredible, incredible truths. I don't have the time to unpack them all, so we're just going to touch on a couple of them. So uh, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. Abraham was uh, given a covenant promise by God that said, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. And so Jacob knows God, knows about God, has been in kind of relationship with God, but I don't think he's been transformed by God. And so we, we begin the story that he is a twin in the womb with Esau. And Esau is being born, and Jacob clasps his heel 
as he's coming out and they label him Jacob. That name means deceiver. It means trickster. How many Jacobs do we have in the house? How many know God can change your name? So, so he, he's born and, and Esau comes out and he is a man's man. He is a hunter and he goes out into the field and he brings in you know, food. And, but he's also impetuous. He's a fool. He is a, a, a man who is driven by his appetites. How many know that many of us, if we're being honest, are driven by our appetites? Not just food. It can be anything. And Jacob is more of a mild-mannered kind of guy. And he's stable, but he's crafty. Because he's living up to his name. So we have this, this interesting home dynamic where Isaac loves Esau. The father loves Esau, but the mom loves Jacob. All right? And so you know that there is tension here. So there were two, in, two things that were really important um, in that culture, and it was the birthright and the blessing. The birthright is basically inheritance. So the firstborn son would get two-thirds of whatever the, the, the animals or the money would be passed on to him. And... Esau one day comes in from the hunt. He didn't kill anything. He's hungry. He's famished. And he says, I'll give, I, I would give away my birthright for a bowl of stew. But it just so happens that Jacob is there. And Jacob, instead of going, listen, brother, I'll just feed you. You don't have to, to do that. He actually makes a deal with him and steals his birthright. All right. So then we, we, we see later that, that Isaac is dying. And one of the things that a father in that culture did was bless the, the family and bless the sons, bless the family before he passed. And he, uh, Rebecca had heard Isaac tell Esau that uh, I'm about to die. He'd lost his sight, uh, knew he was about to die. I, I need to bless you, but before you do that, I need you to go kill so that I can eat your food and then I'll bless you. And so Esau goes out and he, he's on the hunt. Rebecca hears it. And says, Jacob, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make some stew. We're going to, to make you smell like the outdoors so that you can get the blessing of your father. And so uh, she's making the stew. And then they have to kill a goat. Because though uh, Isaac can't, can't see anymore, he can, he can feel and he can smell, right? So they kill a goat and put... The, the goat hair on his arms because Esau is so hairy. Anybody hairy like that here? Are you hairy like goat hair, hairy? Holy cow. So they, they come to this situation where um, he actually goes in and, and they're having a conversation. And I, Isaac is like the... The smell is of Esau, but the voice is of Jacob. And he said, come near. And this is the interaction. It says, he went to his father and said, my father. And he said, yes, my son. He answered, who is it? Verse 19. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Would you keep that scripture up, please? And here's what the Lord said to me. And I see it all the time is we've got tons of Christians trying to live under a different name than what God has said about you. 
trying to pursue something, trying to get a blessing because on the inside you don't either believe you're good enough or because of what you've done, you're trying to do something that God hasn't called you to do. You're trying to be something other than what God has said about you. And I see it all the time and I've lived it. That's how I can recognize it. My whole life I was pursuing something because on the inside I didn't think I was worth much. So I see it in people. And God is wanting us to know that your identity can never be satisfied on the outside of you. Ever. The new job, the title. Man, this stage does not define me. I'm still the same person I was. This, this to me is just another assignment. Some people are, are wow. And I just went, this, this is what God has asked us to do. But what he wants to do through you is unbelievable. And that's our position is to empower the church to be the church in the community. So, uh, so we go on. And, and so for 20 years, Jacob is on the run. And here's the thing. God blesses him. He actually financially increases in wealth. He, he is deceived by his uncle. So what he has lived is now happening in his life. Because what, you know, what you sow, you reap. All right. So he's beginning to be mistreated and he's on the run. He actually leaves his uncle and he finds out that Esau is on the way with 400 men. And the last statement he heard is, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Genesis 32, we find Jacob. And I love this story. I love the redemption of God. I've loved the intentionality of God. I love the kindness of God. I love the mercy of God. I love the correction of God. Some of you guys grew up in, in a household that was very punitive. It was very angry. And you, now you've attributed that to God and God is not that way. The Bible says that he poured out his wrath on the cross on Jesus. So now as a son or a daughter, he corrects you. He does not abuse you. And so we find Jacob, and uh, the Bible says that he begins to break up his family in camps and sends them. And he's also sending uh, gifts to Esau. Even before he gets here, he's trying to appease Esau because he knows the wrath of that man. But he breaks up his, his family, and, and they're going at different times in different directions. And the Bible says that he's alone, so it says... And he arose that night and took his two wives, wouldn't recommend it, y'all, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. Now, if I said that uh, women, y'all don't need two husbands, my wife would have got up and run around the, the church. So that's why I didn't say that. She'd be celebrating a little too much on that. She knows husbands are a problem. So he took them, sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. Church, listen to me. God is really good about getting us alone. He's really good about getting to us, him, and you. Because that's where change happens. As much as I love this, as much as I love this congregation and what happens on a Sunday morning, and powerful things can happen, God loves to get alone with you. Because that's where the transformation takes place. It says, And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. That, that word man there is what 
what I consider a theophany. It's God. It was Jesus before he became flesh in the New Testament. Okay? So sometimes we see the man capitalized or angel capitalized. And this is Jesus interacting with humanity even before he came to the earth. Okay. Verse 25. It says, Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip, hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So here is this contest that's taking place. And anybody ever heard of the dark night of the soul? Anybody ever heard of a midlife crisis? Anybody ever heard of, I'm at the end of my life, I don't know what to do? This is what is happening. And now Jacob is wrestling this out with God. So he touches his hip, it goes out of socket. Anybody ever broken a bone? Anybody ever had something disjointed? Did you continue doing what you were doing? This tells you that what is happening to him physically is nothing in comparison to what is happening to him spiritually and emotionally. The pain that he feels inside is nothing compared to what he feels on the outside. That's why he continues. Because at no, at no point has he decided to quit. Because it's too much at stake and too important to him that he gets to the root of this. And it says, let me go... Uh, the angel said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you, let you go until you bless me. Next verse. So he said to him, what is your name? Getting to the root of the issue. What is your name? My name is Deceiver. Deceiver. Liar. Trickster. There are people in this room, you've lived by the wrong name all your life, even after you accepted Christ. You're still living with what you did or didn't do. And if we're actually going to see the grace of God upon our lives, then we have to align ourselves with Scripture that says, through Christ you are forgiven. You're a new creature, a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. There's this transformation that God wants to bring to you. He wants to rename you. He wants to restore you. He wants to redeem your past. And there's a fight over identity. Listen, every generation, the world wants to, to give them a label. Think about it. The 60s was about something. The 70s was about something. The 80s, what a horrible decade. The, the 80s was about something. The 90s, they're always trying to label this generation. The world wants to do it. Well, God wants to do it too. Because it originated with him. Verse 28. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Israel means prince with God. It's important that you hear this. It's important that you understand the importance of this name. Prince with God. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Now, how many know you can't prevail against God? God invited him into the struggle for the purpose of renaming who he is. To change his identity. To change and transform who he believed himself to be. When Chris and I were at a church in Florida, I still remember this story like it was yesterday because it was something I so desperately needed that I did not have. So I was a Christian and had been saved for a long time, but I didn't think God loved me. 
didn't think God was pleased with me. Uh, I pretty much hated who I had been and just carried it into my Christian walk. Didn't understand the grace of God. Didn't understand the love of God. Even though God was trying to get to me, I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't understand it, couldn't receive it. And I remember this pastor talked about how there was a school at that church and uh, there was a young man that he paid attention to and he would, he would watch him and the, the guy would always hold his head down and he kind of was disheveled and um, he just looked like somebody who struggled. And he preached this message on the Father's blessing. Now many in this room, you'll identify with something like this because human fathers blow it. There's, you know, a, a lot of us come from homes where the dads didn't step up, or they didn't do what they were supposed to, or maybe they didn't say the right words, or maybe we interpreted it wrong, whatever. Maybe they weren't in the house. And he said he talked about the father's blessing and the need of a father's blessing. And so he made a decision in his heart, this young man, and he got in his car and he drove from Michigan, uh, from Florida to Michigan straight through. And he said, all I want to do is all I want is my father to bless me. That's it. So he gets to the door, knocks on the door, and his dad opened the door and said, What are you doing here? I told you that you would fail. I told you that you would be back. And he said, Nope, that's, that's not what this is about. I just want, I want you to bless me. I just want you to pray for me. And he said, I told you you wouldn't be able to make it. And the, the young man said, Nope, I just, I just want you to bless me. That's all I want. And he said, He, he walked inside and he said, hey, I. All I want is for you to pray over me. If you'll just pray over me. And he said, Dad, I'll even walk into my room and I'll face the wall so that I don't have to look at you. So he went into his room and he sat at this table or this desk. And he said he watched as the sun, in the, the, the light in the room began to fade. And he heard his dad outside the door walking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he heard him stop. Behind him. And he walked in. And before he heard words, he felt tears. And he just began to pray over his son. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. The reason why I'm telling you this story is because many of us, we feel like we missed something or we didn't receive something or, or, or we did something because we didn't receive what we needed. And though I believe in a father's blessing or a spiritual father's blessing, more than anything else, you need to know the heavenly father's blessing in your life. What he thinks of you, what he has said of you, how he really is for you. Now, remember, uh, I actually took that tape back then. It's cassette tape. Wow. So I took that cassette tape and I gave it to my dad because I desperately wanted him to bless me. Um, I, I had struggled all my life and I, I needed him to bless me there. I just figured that was the, that was the antidote. And so, uh, another family, they had listened to it and they wrote pages of stuff for their kids. I mean, they, they showed me, it was like three, four or five pages. It was awesome. So when my dad finally, I, I remember my parents arguing about it and, uh, my mom saying, he's got, he's about to leave. He's about to go back to school. You got to do this. And uh, so he, 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 he pulls me aside and he goes, son, I just want to bless you. And I love my dad. Hear me. Um, but it kind of speaks to the, where we come from, our family. And he just said, son, Lord, I bless you, but not too much. 
No, no, no. When you grow up in a poverty culture, that's, that's the way you pray. And, and, and so there's this progression with Jacob. God has just renamed him, but the, the, the leg is really symbol. The hip is a symbol of how now he's supposed to walk. So because he's had an encounter with God, all of a sudden now he walks differently. Everybody around him sees something has happened because he's encountered God. So we follow it into, uh, into Ge- uh, Genesis 35. And we see that God shows up again to Jacob and he says, I am the one who gave you the promise. I'm the one who gave the promise to Abraham. I'm also the one who keeps the promise. So he takes some of the pressure off Jacob and he said, I am God almighty. I'm the one who can do this. A lot of times what we do is when we think we've been given a promise by God, it's on us. All we have to do is be faithful. And God proves himself mighty and almighty on our behalf. And so we're getting to the whole point of this message right now. We get to uh, Genesis 37. And we see... The transformation is almost finished. It says that Jacob had 11 sons and one of those was Joseph. And remember, they changed the name of Jacob to Israel, Prince with God. And we see this moment that Jacob, for whatever reason, it's the last son that he maybe he has an opportunity with. And he takes this coat and he places it on on, um, Joseph. And it was beautiful, but I also believe it was ornamental. Like in Sunday school, they teach you that it was a coat of many colors, right? So it was this beautiful bathrobe that I guess everybody's jealous about. But I believe that it was an ornamental robe representing royalty. And that is why people had a vicious response because the dad was saying, not only are you loved, but you're destined for greatness. You're destined for royalty. And that is the transformational power of a change in identity. Because many people in here, you struggle with your identity. And guess what? You also struggle with giving something you don't have away to your family or to the world around you. It is why we as a church have to teach about identity, show identity, speak identity, and call out greatness that we see in other people to be a hero maker. So I want to show you something. Come on, Sam. So, I have our own little coat of many colors here. So when God calls us by our identity, he, he presents and he puts something on us. Nothing like a winter parka on a summer day. Put this on. How about that? Doesn't that look great? Doesn't that look great? So, so whenever God gives us identity, and whenever he gives us calling, it is always bigger than who we are. And it's something that we have to grow into. And the power of the identity that he has given us is something that he wants us to grow up into with him, through revelation with him. But the call of God on your life is something you have to grow into as well. This is the goodness and the grace of God. I love you, my friend. I'm going to take that coat from you. So why, why are we showing this? 
We live in a world that doesn't know who they are. We live in churches. They don't know who they are either. We grew up in families that didn't tell us who, who we are in Christ. We grew up in, in shattered homes or broken homes or incomplete homes. That's life, y'all. There has to be a point in time where you go, oh man, it's not about that anymore. It's about this moment with God right now that can redefine and repoint my life in the direction that he's called me to. There's some people in here, you need to be set free. You need to be set free of your past. Some of you guys need to be, you, you need to let what you've done go. You need to let what has happened to you go. I'm not saying you're not going to wrestle with it some, but there has to be a point in time where you go from this point on, God, I believe what you've said and I'm moving forward with you. But as a church, we have to be spiritual mothers and fathers for this generation. This generation has no age because you're going to have 30 year olds who know their place in God. That's going to be able to spiritually father a 60 year old. And we have to begin coming alongside and teaching people. That's not who you are. What you're doing, that's not who you are. Let me tell you who you are. Let me show you who you are. Come to my family. Come into my small group. Come into our circle. Let me tell you who you are. If we're actually going to see the change and the transformation, every person in this room has to take their place. What you've come out of is actually the very anointing to set somebody else free. Your story is invaluable to God. But what you do with your story is up to you. Would you stand on your feet? I have this picture and I keep this picture. You guys don't know in my heart what God wants to do in this place, y'all. So... So many of the future years of good news and, and our families and, and what God wants to do in our region is determined in places like this. It's determined by our response. It's giving God access to our heart, our lives, our hurts, our families, and responding. Man, I, I've got stories, y'all. I didn't, I didn't tell this in the first, and I don't, I don't like to tell stories like this because people pursue experiences with God and, and though those are great they don't actually transform you they show you another dimension of God but they don't transform you I was in, in this church and I remember um, this guy had prophesied and said something and he laid his hand on me it was in the front of the church he laid his hand on me and I fell over on him and they laid me down on the ground and I, I felt somebody cover me and uh, went about the service and it was, it was probably 30 minutes later and I got up and everybody was gone. And back then I could, uh, they would video the services and I, I took that video because I wanted to keep it. It was a marker in my life. Something happened. I don't know what it was. And I, I remember the next day putting it into the VCR and watching and nobody covered me with anything. There was something that God had placed on me. And that there are things in God that only God can do. You can't pursue something. You can't pursue someone. There's just things that God has to do in your life that he wants to do for you. Guys, if, if he loves you. He 
He sent His Son to die for you. He withholds nothing from you. But He wants to know you. I'm challenging my, my older men and women, those who are solid in the Lord, those who have pursued God all your life. I'm begging you to give your life away in what you know about God to other people. I'm asking you to be spiritual mothers and fathers of this house. There's too many people who walk in here broken and walk out broken. Too many people who are not in relationship. Too many people who go back to a really dysfunctional home. And I'm asking you, whenever you see somebody that doesn't seem to fit or on the fringe or they come down here and they cry, come alongside them. Talk to them. Speak life over them. Tell them who they are. Church, we need biblical community where we get into each other's lives. You die when you're alone. You do. When you get isolated, the enemy eats you. He will eat your life. We need to be in each other's lives. And lastly, some of you guys need to have some time with God. You need to be honest with Him. Transformation has to happen. This is one of those pivotal moments in our church history right now. Because it's answering something that He wants to do here, which is a change in identity individually and corporately as a church. So here's what I want us to do. In just a moment, if you know that you need to give your heart and your life to Jesus completely, you've never done that before, I would love to meet you and pray for you. I'd love to tell you about what Jesus has done for you and and walk you through the process of becoming a Christian. But there's others in here, you know that God um, has been dealing with you about how you think of yourself or how you think of him. And he wants to change your name and he wants to show you who he is. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward and we're going to pray for you. Father, I pray for the men and women of this place. I thank you for what you want to do. I thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. I thank you how you clothe us in righteousness, God. You have, you have not leaving us uh, left us to ourselves, God, but you have, you have come alongside and you call us sons and daughters. You love us. You're for us. You're with us, God. But you want us to open our lives up to you. And for the men and women who've struggled all their life, believing a lie this morning is about setting them free and giving them a new name. Jesus' name. If you know that's you, if you know that you, God is speaking to you about a, a, a spiritual transformation, a new name, I want you to come forward. I want you to come out of your seat and come to the front. Come on, now, move, move, move. Thank you. I want you to give a little bit of room so that we can come in front of you. So take a step back. Come on, I know there's more. I know there's more. Come on, church, respond. name. The old is past and the new has come. Thank you, Lord. You can't give away what you don't have. Jacob was a prince with God. He was able to give Joseph a future identity, secure in love, but also in destiny. You can't give away what you don't have. I'm going to ask you guys to come over this way. Come forward over here. Let's move down. 
spiritual mothers and fathers, I need you to move. I need you to step out. I need you to come alongside. I need you to begin to talk to them and pray for them that God would bring spiritual transformation. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. But this is what a biblical community does. So come on, step out. Come find somebody. Come in front of them and talk to them. Pray for them. Speak life over them. Tell them who they are. Father, we thank you that no person is too far gone. That no person has done too much. For the one who didn't receive what they needed, God, I pray that through you, through your hand, you'd bring restoration and healing, God. They would begin to see themselves the way that they are according to what you have said. God, that you would pour out all of heaven into their life right now through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would set them free. I pray that you would break bondage, break lies right now in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that they would begin to see who they are in you, God. Your great love. Fill their hearts with your love, Lord. Set them free from every bondage, every lie. Show them how to walk differently, live differently, receive differently. We pray. Thank you, Lord. For those of you out there, pray for the men and women at this altar. They're part of our family. Pray like that is your brother, your sister, your kid, your parent. Pray for them right now, church. Come on, Lord. Do your work, Lord. Do your work, Lord. identity new identity new identity thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord you are not what you've done that um, you guys be respectful if you need to leave we love you pray for our church pray for the thing that God wants to do but we love you bless you guys